Hi, and welcome back to the Brave Zone. Today, I want to bring you back to that World Cup fever, and maybe some of you are still in it. But what an exciting tournament, the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup that happened in Japan recently. So I want to share with you what Japan, England, and South Africa rugby teams taught me about victory. Now, I'm a newbie in rugby. I really enjoyed watching the World Cup, but in particular, I learned so much about victory by watching these three teams. To me, they made a lasting impression and they demonstrated how to win by setting your heart on a higher cause. And as we go through this episode, uh, I want you to remember that sometimes the problem we have in our team and why we're not achieving the business growth that we want is because some of us are not playing to win. Some of us are playing not to lose. And I want to kind of bring you to reflect upon that as you are listening to this podcast. And I've given you some examples that you can take back and reflect upon as a team. So just to get it straight, I'm neutral about who won the cup. I thought it was just an excellent tournament. And I thought many teams had their moments of glory. But I just want to share with you my observation about these three countries. I want to start with Japan. Boy, what a performance. Who would have thought Japan would beat Ireland? I mean, Ireland has a very strong reputation in rugby, as many of you who are rugby fans know. And I love seeing the men in green, especially my favorite number 10, Johnny Sexton. But I was completely taken by surprise at how Japan defended their line and scored try after try. Ireland faced a formidable defense. No one could break through the wall of red and white jerseys. But I can imagine the motivation talk in the locker room. You know, it may have gone something like, boys, we are the host of this World Cup. We've got to show them what Japan can do, and we are the only Asian country in this tournament. It's not just about winning medals, in my opinion. It was about actualizing themselves as a nation and leaving the Asian mark on the world stage. And then they went on beating Samoa and Scotland. But winning those games perhaps were driven by a different force. Typhoon Hagibis. Perhaps a local room pep talk shifted to, we've got to do this to honor those affected by the tragedy, to show that as a nation we stay strong despite disasters. Let's win it, boys, to bring their spirit up. Of course, I wasn't in the locker room. I, I don't know the real reason. And I'm risking criticism for some of you listeners because this, is, this episode is full of my opinion. But many people would agree that Japan's performance was pleasantly surprising. So I would like to hear from you. What do you think drove them to excellence? You can email me at Cynthia at thebravezone.com or you can link up with me on LinkedIn, Cynthia Weharja. And then there was this England competition between the All Blacks, the semifinals. I remember the Hakka. There they stood, the England team, watching the All Blacks do their famous intimidating haka. But this time, instead of just standing there in a straight line, they formed a V formation. And Owen Farrell, the captain, had this smirk on his face as if he was saying, bring it on, you think I'm scared of you? Okay, they later got fined for crossing the line, but they didn't take away the fact that their response to the haka was, in my opinion, brilliant. 
And some people said, oh, they shouldn't have done that. That was very gentlemanly to respond to Haka. But a few days later, the All Blacks coach told the journalist that if we understood the history and the purpose of the Haka, it is a challenge and it deserves a response. So he was very glad to see how England responded to it. And the game went on. Most people would agree that the All Blacks is the toughest team in the world to beat. They won past World Cups, I mean, two previous ones, and perhaps some of us had expected that this year they'd win it again. But England delivered a fantastic game against the All Blacks, winning more and more points through tries and penalties. I remember England fans roared when Sam Underhill tackled not one, but two All Blacks giants all at once. What a machine! And as all this was going on, the commentator repeatedly said this about the old blacks. Oh my God, they're human after all. Well, duh, of course they're human. But imagine professional commentators having that reaction. So in my observation, it wasn't just about the medals. It was England self-actualizing themselves. It was about England proving to themselves that they can beat the all blacks. The fire in the eyes of everyone in the England team was apparent at the start of the game, during the haka, and all throughout until the final second. 19-7. This is the score England will always remember, a 12-point lead against the best team in the world. At this point, I just want to shout out to the All Blacks. Their reputation didn't come from nowhere. They have set the bar for many teams around the world to reach, and that's really something. And I believe these humans will be back. So watch out. Finally, let's talk about South Africa's victory. They're still celebrating today, I heard. It was a game that made me watch, made me want to watch that movie, Invictus, about the 1995 Rugby World Cup, where South Africa won. I want to watch that all over again. See, Rugby, as you may know, was one of the things that united the whites and the blacks in South Africa. By the way, if you're sensitive to this whites and blacks terminology, I'm sorry, but these are terms still used today by South Africans. Honestly, when I saw South Africa play Wales in the semifinals, I was convinced they were going to lose against England. All this box kicking and faffing around, I mean, I was bored. But when I saw them play England, oh my God, what a force to be reckoned with. We all knew that they had strong scrums. But was Sinclair's injury early in the game the thing that gave the box advantage throughout the game? I don't think so. Think about it. Amidst all the political, racial, and economic tensions in South Africa, winning the World Cup meant so much more than just bringing home the gold. It was an event that united South Africa once again, despite their differences, just like it did in 1995 and in 2007 when they won the World Cup. And this year was even more special, because it was the first time they had a black captain, Sia Colisi, who incidentally came from the slums and, by a twist of fate, attracted the attention of a prestigious gray high school that propelled him out of poverty and into professional rugby. Now he is leading a mixed-race national rugby team, this was the manifestation of Mandela's vision of a rainbow nation, a collaboration between blacks and whites and a system that gave a way out to the disadvantaged majority. I love Colisi's words after the match. He said, we have so many problems in our country, but to have a team like this, we come from different backgrounds, different races, and we come together for one goal. I have never seen South Africa like this. We are playing for the people back home. 
We can achieve anything if we work together as one. Well said. South Africa played for a higher cause, for their country, for unity, for empowerment, not just for a gold cup. Now, I don't know much about rugby. I don't know the history of the teams, the inside stories of the players and coaches, the detailed rules of the tournaments. But I have learned one thing from the World Cup this year. Having the right why is so important to achieve victory. Japan, England, and South Africa have demonstrated that in various stages of the tournament. And if I had more knowledge of the game, more examples from teams all over the world can be included. So that's rugby. Now, what about you? Your life, your business. Are you achieving the victory that you desire? What is the why that you're using to drive you? Is it just to get recognition, to get money? Are you driving your teams to achieve targets and profit bottom lines? Or have you identified a higher cause, a meaning for what you do? I want to share with you a personal story about my own journey and discovering what drives me. You know, for years, I'm a very task-oriented and results-oriented person. If you understand the DISC profile, I'm a high D. I'm also a high I. So that means, for me, doing something to get a result, to get a recognition, and to get people to like me was very important. But over time, I felt a bit burnt out with that motivation. Because if you think about it, what that did to me was I kept comparing myself to other people so that I would get recognition, the award of being the best of this and the best of that, which is kind of what a lot of organizations use to drive performance. It's not wrong, but over time it, was, it became wrong for me. And I was also driving myself to perform because I wanted people to like me. I wanted to be the 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 go-to person for things and I wanted people to 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 crowd around me ooing and awing about me and again that whole need for significance and connection with people was was just was just not within my control I mean expecting recognition and expecting to please others are two things that really I didn't have any control over I mean, all I can really have control over is just doing my stuff, just being the best I can be, expressing myself and my art, which is to me is business. So it, it was only just quite recently that I realized that these two, recognition and, and, and people-pleasing, wore me out. And when it didn't happen, when the recognition didn't come, when the people didn't admire me or, or like me, I felt like I was missing out on something. I felt like the world wasn't fair. I became even resentful. And that was not the energy that I naturally come up with. I'm a cheerful person. I, I'm the life of a party. I, I, uh, I'm fun. But having those expectations and having that why drove the fun out of me drove the fun of doing my business and doing what I do best. So I get this whole why game. The why that you're using to drive you is so important. There's nothing wrong with wanting awards and wanting all that, but as long as it works for you. But for some of you who have been in your game for a while, I want to 
use this episode to help you recheck your why. Is it still applicable? Now I'm doing this business, the Brave Zone and everything like that, with a completely different energy. Some of you will like this episode. Some of you will think it's not good enough. That's fine. I don't care. Because this is an expression of my art, of my professional talent. And I'm doing this not to please you, not to get clients, but to have fun. Because this for me is fun. Writing an article about business for me is fun. Talking to Mike and to, uh, to make a podcast episode is fun. I don't do it to create impact in the world, to change the world, even though maybe some of you will. Isn't that a higher cause? Yeah, but no longer for me. Because you know what? My higher cause right now is self-expression, self-actualization. I want to, I want to find my best self. I want to be the best person I can be. And this is through expressing now. When I express my talents well, and when I produce quality content, and when I produce quality coaching, and I talk to people, and I give them the whole focus, and I help them dig through their the root cause, which is anyway what I like to do, what I love to do, and what I do best, I believe that that will impact them positively. I believe it will change the world one person at a time or whatever, right? That is, of course, the higher cause. But that's not what I want to drive me anymore. Because for me, it works better for me after knowing myself, being mindful of my triggers. For me, it works better for me to just self-actualize and have fun in the process. And in the process, I am sure I will impact people. I am sure I will be a contribution and a blessing. So take a look at yourself now, especially those who are senior in your roles, you've been through a lot, you know, probably know a lot more than I do. You definitely know a lot more about yourself than I do. So I want you to take this time about your why. What's your next level of why? Maybe the why is in the past, you know, my why was about awards and everything. And that worked, that worked for me. I mean, I had a few and I've now got a great business running and everything. That worked. But sometimes we evolve and we grow especially when you reach, I believe, in your 40s, right? 50s, 60s, especially. I was just chatting to a woman this this morning about the evolution of people as they age. Now in my 40s, I, I also realize that what drove me in my 20s and 30s is no longer the same as it is in my 40s. So maybe it's time for a recheck, a re reintrospect yourself and just be honest with yourself. There's no need to hang on to what no longer works. So with that, I invite you to um, share this episode, comment and send me emails or send me notifications how you how this had worked for you. And uh, I look forward to sharing more of my self-expression in the next episode. Bye. <music>